Sepsis, or the infection causing sepsis, starts before a patient goes to the hospital in nearly 87% of cases. Sepsis is a medical emergency. If you or your loved one has an infection that's not getting better or is getting worse, act fast. Get medical care immediately. Ask your healthcare professional, could this infection be leading to sepsis? And if you should go to the emergency room, learn more at cdc.gov sepsis. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. On today's show, I'm talking to Keita Williams. She's the founder and chief strategist for a company called Success Bully. Yeah, you heard me right. Success Bully. Keita is a former corporate PR executive turned accountability coach, but she's more than just a coach. She is a mogul. She is a magnet and she really wants you to set some goals and be accountable, but she knows how hard it is. So in today's conversation, we talk about goal setting, but not in a boring way, like an HR practitioner. We talk about why it's so hard to create goals and why I fail at it in particular and how we're going to turn that around in 2020. We're all human We all have big dreams and sometimes we fall short and we all hold other people accountable to standards that we can't hold ourselves accountable to. So if you're interested in a conversation that's a little bit different about the concept of accountability, sit tight and I'll be right back with Keita Williams and more of Let's Fix Work. Work is broken and so is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is picking up the pieces so you can take control of your career, put yourself first and be your own HR. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, Kita, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Kita, you run an accountability practice. You are the first person on my podcast to have that kind of niche job. So why don't you tell me who you are and what you're all about? Okay. Well, I am Keita Williams and I'm the founder and chief strategist of Success Bully. And I like to call myself a professional butt kicker. Uh, So I work with individuals, groups, and organizations all around goal setting and accountability. And so I kind of think of things in a 90-day window. And so like it takes 33 to 66 days to create a new habit and 90 days plus before you see the results of that habit. So whether it's a personal goal or a professional goal, oftentimes we don't give ourselves enough runway to develop the rhythm and the habits to actually achieve the goal. And so that's where I play to win. Well, I love it. It's certainly something that all of us can benefit from. I think there's a weird, wide definition of accountability. So can you tell me how you define accountability? Oh, well, I think of accountability as a tool for greatness. As, like, I think it gets a bad rap. To, uh, like accountability is often referred to as kind of like a billy club that is used to punish people or when something goes wrong, someone needs to be held accountable. But really, it's a tool to help you achieve more. And I think when you kind of think of it as one of those rocket boosters that'll help you get where you want to go, it's uh, when you kind of change the lens, I feel like accountability is powerful. So that's how I define it as a tool for greatness. Yeah, I love that definition. And I think sometimes... We do see it as a billy club and we're too hard on ourselves and shoot ourselves in the foot before we even get started. So how do you temper accountability with healthy thinking, well-being, executive function? Like, How do you make sure you frame it as a positive thing instead of a punitive thing? Well, I think of it as when I check in with one-on-one clients, I want to know yes or no. Did you do this task? Yes or no. And then we table the end of our check-in for troubleshooting. And we kind of think of, okay, well, what went off the rails this week? So how do we mitigate for that next week? 
where we kind of look at it as how do we work differently? How can we fix it? What could possibly get in the way next week? We're course correcting and not necessarily, it's not a fuss at get all up in arms about it. So I kind of think of it as real-time troubleshooting. And then when I do it in a corporate space, it's like, okay, so how can the team perform better? What are some misses this week? What are things that we're really excited about? So when we kind of frame it with what, are, what went really well, now tell us how we're going to work differently in the future. You know, when you start with the positives, it definitely changes the tone of the conversation. Sure, that makes sense. So why don't you tell us exactly how you drive accountability with individuals, with corporations? Like, what do you do? Like, what's your job? Oh, yeah, my job. So first, I always start with goal setting, you know, because I think that we have to be really clear about where we're marching to and having those smart goals and what it looks like setting benchmarks for what we hope to accomplish by the 30, the 60 and 90 day mark. Uh, so we're all clear about what, where we're going, how we're going to get there. We've broken it down into steps and we've kind of, I don't want to go as far as calling it project managed it in the sense of having a work back plan. So we at least all have visibility on where we're going. And how I work with one-on-one clients is that we have a weekly check-in. And so during that weekly check-in, we have a tracking system that we share. So we're looking at our real-time updates. We're looking at, okay, what went well, what didn't go well. We have a grading system. And what we found just with kind of our tracking principles is that if a client falls below 75% completion for three consecutive weeks, they are not going to hit their goal. And so it's my job to keep you above that. So we're troubleshooting. We're going, okay, so this thing blindsided you this week. So how do we make up for that blind side, that unpredictable X factor that happened this week? How do we make up for it next week? From a corporate space, we've developed a whole backend tracker where we can track groups of people. And so we have kind of a questionnaire format and we can pull data and kind of analyze it and and give updates to our clients. So from the one-on-one standpoint, it's kind of done by hand, whereas the groups, it's, it's more automated. Sure. And you also offer webinars, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. I webinar it up. I love a good webinar. (laughs) I don't have to put on pants. Yeah, I want to hear it. (laughs) So what do you do in that webinar? Because most webinars are terrible. So tell me about your accountability webinar. Okay. So for me, you know, I think that it's all about energy. And similar to how I would conduct a a live workshop, I have the same level of energy in a webinar. Like I have the same excitement level when it comes to goal setting, whether you're in a classroom across from me or if you're on a webinar. And I think I try to have that interaction piece where I'm asking questions and asking people to respond to me during a webinar. And I always have my camera on. It's that human connection where people can see I'm a real person. I am actually teaching this live. I taught a webinar recently with lipstick on my teeth. Nobody told me till we were like 20 minutes into it. So I'm a real person (laughs) and I do real people stuff like teach with lipstick on your teeth. So you work with corporations, you work with individuals and you do webinars. You know, I personally hate being sold systems and hokey products, but I know you work with some of my dear friends. So when you work with these individuals, what tools do you recommend to be accountable and what's too much? Like what's just unnecessary? Well, I think that what I've found through my practice is that weekly check-ins are enough. I think daily check-ins can be abusive. You know, that can, I don't want to say abusive. It comes over as a lot. And maybe like light touch text messages during the week, if necessary. I think that weekly check-in, we find that we have the best results with that. If we do bi-weekly or monthly check-ins, it's things can get lost. And so that weekly check-in, short amount of time, I have one client that literally our check-ins are Friday mornings. She will burn the midnight oil on Thursday so as not to disappoint me. (laughs) (laughs) And the truth of it is, I don't care when you get it done. I care that you get it done. 
time management is something that I value, but if that is not your core function, that's on you. You're creating more drama for yourself waiting to the last minute. And so if you like that feeling, okay, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) I don't either. You know what else I hate? I hate buying, and I've done this year in and year out at the beginning of the year, which is why I'm so glad you're on the show today. Uh I buy these systems, right? I buy these planner systems. I've got something in my hand. I've got something on my desk. I've got an app. I've got a bunch of different colored pens. Maybe I'm bullet journaling, whatever. I've got like these huge systems. And then by like January 22nd, I haven't Off done the rails. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like when you work with someone, are you encouraging them to buy tools? Because sometimes I think the biggest tool is our brain. I think that the tracking system is only as good as the tracker. So like if you bought like a simple 99 cent notebook or you use a Google Doc or bullet journals or whatever, if you're not looking at it twice a day, every day, it's not effective. And so you actually have to build the habit around tracking. Interesting. Interesting. I don't look at anything twice a day religiously, you know, except my email and maybe Instagram, which is why I'm failing at so many of the things that I want to. (laughs) You are not failing. Well, I wonder about this because I'm perpetually disappointed in other people. So I'm really good at pointing out other people's flaws and when they're not accountable to me, but I'm bad at it with myself. Is that common? Am I just like everybody else? You are. You are. In the sense of the one person you can't coach is yourself. Like I have two coaches. I have two of my own coaches, sometimes three, because like you cannot read the label inside the bottle. And like my internal dialogue, everyone else isn't privy to my internal dialogue and my hangups. You know, like you don't hear my soundtrack, (laughs) right? (laughs) I hear my soundtrack all day. Well, I just wonder what it's like for an accountability coach to have two coaches. That's got to be pretty meta. So are you hard on yourself? Are you kind to yourself? Like, what does that relationship look like with your coaches? Well, I think that I am my biggest critic. One of my mentors had me do a SWOT analysis on myself and on the business. Mm -hmm. And I am the biggest strength, but I'm also the biggest threat. And so knowing that I've hired coach, so I have a health coach because like all the running around and traveling is really hard on my body. And then I have a coach's coach. So I work with a coach, a Bill Carmody, hi, Bill, who works with coaches to build your practice. So around the business of coaching. And so like we have developed this relationship. We've been working with each other a while where we can focus in on what's going well. And then how do we next level where it's not a, a, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. It really is. Okay, let's identify what's working. How do we do more of that? What are you enjoying right now? And then like, what are the things that we need to work on? What are your questions? What are things that you need to work through or, or what's kind of standing in your way. And so I'm very appreciative of that coaching relationship. I like that you just asked, what are you enjoying right now? Because when people do think of accountability, I think they think of the gaps in their life. And sometimes I'm not even accountable to the things that I do enjoy, right? They fall by the wayside because I'm so consumed with the things that I don't enjoy and have to do, you know, like accounting or billing or invoicing or whatever those things are. So oh, we both dislike the same thing. I'm terrible. I'm a terrible businesswoman. I just hate it. Well, like what's interesting is that now Monday is my admin day and we're trying to kind of hold that. And like, I actually am getting into the the space where like I'm enjoying reconciling things and I'm enjoying sending out the invoices because it does drive the business, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so like kind of, it, it has to happen on Monday. 
you know, Monday morning when nobody wants to talk to me anyway. And then I have a really fun, like fancy cup of coffee and I get a, a pastry. And it's like this whole like experience around the thing I don't really like. I shouldn't say I hate it. I don't really like it. I like the idea of pairing something you don't like to do with something you do like. I think there's really smart science behind that. And when I hear you talk about this, I mean, I hear science and I also hear a little bit of therapy. So what don't we know about the art and science of accountability? Well, I think from the art standpoint of it, I think that any relationship can be an accountability relationship. I think it it doesn't necessarily have to be manager and direct report. It doesn't necessarily have to be friends. You can shift a relationship into an accountability relationship with communication and clarity, right? And so I think that, you know, we, we look for this mystical being to be accountable to, and it really is, you can establish that with anyone. It's just making sure you're both are on the same page. Oh, that's interesting. Do you think partners or spouses can be accountable to one another and have that stay healthy? Because that's one of the things I've struggled with in my own life, right? Like I would love to be able to sit down with my husband and talk about like business goals and personal goals. And we sit down and do it and it feels so artificial. (laughs) Right, right. I don't know how else to say that. Like it's not something we're terribly comfortable with, but I see all these high powered couples out there who like have these monthly meetings and these quarterly check-ins. And like, I dream of being that couple, but we just cannot nail it. We can't. (laughs) And that's okay. That's okay. I think that that comes back to like being clear about what are we hoping to accomplish with this? How often are we going to do it? What does it look like? And having structure around it and like agreeing on the structure. Now, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Again, it's a habit. Everything is around habit formation, right? So if you want to have these accountability check-ins, you have to create the habit together to have them. And it's hard to create a habit by oneself. (laughs) I couldn't imagine creating a habit with another person too, right? Yeah. Do you know any of the science behind habit forming? Because I think we so often forget that it is truly hard to penetrate through our skulls and you have it. Like it's not an exercise, but it's hard to just do anything. A good reading habit, a good habit of checking in with your family differently. All of this is so hard. Do you know why? Well, I think it is, I can't give you like brain chemistry because I'm not going to like, I'm not delving into that. I think it's grace and space. And what I mean by grace and space is that it literally is going to take you a quarter to develop a habit, right? So it's 33 to 66 days to actually develop it. And there's this whole misnomer that it's 21 days. It really is more like two months, give or take. And then you're going to It's probably going to take about 90 days. If it's complex, it could take up to six months before you actually see results. And so oftentimes when we jump into these new things or like New Year's resolutions or I'm, you know, whatever goal, we don't give ourselves that grace and space where like, yes, you're going to falter along the way because you haven't developed that habit yet. But if you keep doing it long enough, it becomes second nature. So it is getting back into the routine. What I find most fascinating is that while it takes this 33 to 66 days to develop, 90 days plus to see results, it takes three consecutive days of not doing that thing to fall out of habit. Whoa, that's it? Right. Yeah. Crazy. So like whenever I travel, I always have my gym shoes with me and my little workout clothes because if I'm on the road more than three days, it's going to take me so much longer to get back into my workout habit. Yeah, that's 100% true. Like I would get on these smoothie kicks, right? And then I would get on the road and I wouldn't drink my protein shakes for a couple of days. And then I like struggle to get back into the protein habit. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense to me. That really makes sense to me. 
I think about your clients that you work with. And I mean, all of us struggle with accountability. I mean, we're human, right? And this is a very human thing. But who do you work with? Do you tend to work with one group more than another? Well, from a one-on-one standpoint, I like working with high-performing type A women that are stuck. So I like to call that the velvet rudders. That is me and I need you. Oh my gosh, right. more about that. Okay, so you, so you got it going on. You know, you, you're smart, you're talented, you, got, you have all the education, you got the high power going, but it's that next thing, the next thing answering like, what's next? Because I've been her, right? And so I really relate to it and I enjoy kind of being the secret weapon in the corner going, you can do it, go do that one thing like today. so like that brings me joy because i think that when i started success bully it was coming off of the heels of what i would consider my biggest professional failure and i said it as a joke i said it as a joke and here we are three years later and it has eclipsed my corporate salary you know i so i like kick butt full time and you know i've worked with some of the biggest organizations i've been featured in cnbc and i have these like things that i would not even imagine doing i have come to be because I got out of my own way and I just kept taking steps, kept moving forward. And I think more people need to experience that, that anything is possible if you break it down into steps and you consistently attack questions and attack it. You consistently, whether you walk into it, roll into it, crawl into it, you consistently move forward. You can achieve it. Well, from your lips to God's ears, I really love <laughs> Did I rah-rah you right there? Did I, I give a good rah-rah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm like, wow, anything's possible. I'm really interested in uh, the way you describe your biggest professional failure because there are so many people on the show who come and say, you know, I faced being fired or I faced being terminated or I was divorced or whatever. And I had this moment of clarity where I just to your point, had to get out of my own way. And it's almost as if failure isn't failure. So what was your biggest professional failure? Oh my goodness. I love this one. So my background is in tech public relations. And so I've lived in New York 11 years and kind of grew my career there and was recruited out to work on a big product launch for one of the big tech folks. I'm not going to get sued, so I'm not going to say who, right? (laughs) Move across country to Seattle. And you know, I'm coming in New York hotshot. You call me. You know, <laughs> and a year later, I didn't have a job. Oh, it was no. like I didn't fit the company culture for a number of reasons. I think that having worked on other brands, I knew how the rest of the world operated when it came to rhythm of the business and storytelling. And it was kind of this very, this is how we do it because this is how the brand does it. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And so, Then, you know, I'm in this new city and I didn't have what I would consider a network here. And so like, all I did was go to work, you know, like I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't have like the community that I built in New York. I did not have that developed in Seattle. And I struggled for, I was unemployed, underemployed for like a year. And all of the things that happen when you have cash flow crunch like that happen, very humbling. Where again, I came in hot shot. I know what I'm doing. I've led teams. I've done global launches, blah, 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 and could not get a job. Heartbreaking. Oh, <laughs> so, what made you say, I'm an entrepreneur? Well, like I said, I said it as a joke. So I was at a women's breakfast for female founders. And like at this point in time, I had secured a job, but the start date kept getting delayed. And so like I'm in this funky flux. I can't even make this up. This is going to be in the book. Got to buy the book one day, right? (laughs) So I'm sitting at this breakfast for female founders called the F-Bomb Breakfast Club. And I had no intention of starting a business. I was there to meet people. And as we were introducing ourselves, the question on the floor was, who are you? What do you do? Bitch or brag? And what are your goals for 2017? 
totally freak out. And while everyone's kind of going around the room, I'm getting a sweat mustache. My hands are sweaty. Are you like, do I tell this room full of people? I don't know if I have a job. Like, what do I <laughs> what do? I do? And so I deferred with humor, which is obviously my way of dealing with nervous energy. And I was working with a couple of friends. We had started breaking our goals down and we all had had that year and we were trying to come back from that year. And so like I had kind of made this mandate with my friend group, like you cannot talk to me about your love life. You can't talk to me about your family. I want to hear where you are with your goals. And I started putting stuff in my calendar to like follow up with them. And so I'm share this with the group and I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this for my friends. So I'm like a success bully. Let me know if you want me to kick your butt too. That's where I landed the play. Oh my God. What a yeah, magical, Whoa. magical. And so like five women after breakfast walked up to me like, that's a really great idea. You should do something with it. And I was like, yeah, I say funny stuff all the time. That doesn't mean that it's like a business. And one of my now mentors, she walked over to me. She had her phone in her hand and she collects URLs as a hobby. Like she just, she'll have a great idea and then she'll go buy the .com. So she walked over to me and she's like, yes, successfully.com is available. If you don't buy it right now, I'm going to buy it and you'll have to buy it from me. No. Yeah. And so I ran home and I bought successfully.com. I grabbed all the social channels. I think I even have a Pinterest. Like I grabbed them all. No idea what I was going to do with it. And then my older sister, who is my personal success bully, challenged me to write a business plan. And then off I went and I'm like, (laughs) what it looks like now versus what was on my little cute business plan, my little construct for how to build a business. Totally different. Yeah. It has been this amazing ride of, okay, so I had this idea, which I've actually had the idea since 2011. And I was like sitting on it, writing about it, thinking about it, putting together PowerPoints and doing nothing with it to like getting into action. And like, you know, I have my own advisors that I check in with on like what I'm working on, where I am with projects. And it's it's just taken me on this journey. And I'm excited to see where it grows and how we can scale it and kind of take it from just being a fun thing that Kita enjoys doing to being a spoken wheel billion dollar brand. Yeah, I love it. I believe in it. Like your origin story is just so fascinating to me because like <laughs> so many people out there are sitting on a really mm-hmm. good idea or something that could be fun, but they don't know how to monetize it or they get in their own way. And here you are telling your very vulnerable story and saying also, I can help you get that idea done. Yeah, just get her done. What's so interesting is that once I started down the pathway, The momentum, like I've gotten more mentoring and coaching and support from this idea than I have my entire corporate career. And just the doors that have opened and the, like this magical opportunity, Twitter, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's just fate that you're on the show today. I'm so pleased to have learned your story and just been a fascinating journey and also really like therapy for me because I am truly the woman who stands in my own way. And I think I confuse thinking and ruminating about something with actually doing it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to congratulate you on being brilliant. Well, you're the first. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you know, when you're brilliant, it's a double-edged sword in the sense of you never run out of ideas, but you often can overthink them. Yes. Yeah, it's true. I have a running joke with Carmen about stupid people are out here winning because they do one (laughs) thing really well and they just do that one thing really well. (laughs) Oh my God, that's the Trump family. Holy smokes. (laughs) 
there you have it. And so like, I can think of something and then I have to think of all the angles and then, you know, I have to, what does this color say in this PowerPoint? Is that coming across? Like, and the truth of it is the things that I'm over rotating on, most people don't care about. Oh, so true. And they're not even going to remember. One no. Yeah, no. you're right. You're absolutely right. Well, I can't wait to work <laughs> together with you. I'm making a commitment to you and to everybody else out there that this is something I'm going to do in 2020. I need more accountable. Absolutely. And Kita, I know you're the woman to help me. And if people wanted to get in touch with you, learn more about what else you offer, are curious about accountability, need their butt kicked by a professional, where do they go? They go to successfully.com. We are so passionate about goal setting right now that we are teaching a goal setting webinar every Sunday in January. So we're super excited about that. I have a group coaching launching called Get the F Out of Your Own Way. And that's for my gifted procrastinators. So the folks that have the great idea and haven't quite executed on it, that is what the latest group sprint is around. I love it. I love it. Well, it's just a brilliant, genius idea. I'm always in awe of women who are just getting it done. And that is you, Kita. Thanks for being a guest on today's show. Thank you so much, Lori. This was easy peasy. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I appreciate you as well. Thanks again. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kita Williams of Success Bully. If you'd like to learn more about accountability and all the things we talked about in today's show, you can head on over to my website, laurierudeman.com. Go to forward slash let's fix work dash 91. Let's Fix Work was recorded in Seattle, Washington and Raleigh, North Carolina and produced by Danny Osmond and his team at Emerald City Productions. If you like what you hear or have any feedback, want to make the show twice as good, send me an email to hello at letsfixwork.com. Now that's all for today and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by number one, subscribing to Let's Fix Work on the Apple Podcasts app or iTunes or Stitcher or Android or wherever you listen. Number two, write a five-star rating and review. And number three, share it with a friend, colleague, or coworker who you think would enjoy our episodes.